Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Marquee matchup Wednesday night, Lakers versus Bucks. The Lakers lose the first game of their five-game road trip, 109-102, in what is hopefully the last game before LeBron James returns. Andy, it wasn't quite as bad as a loss might indicate. Maybe even encouraging. We'll talk about it next. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, Lakers, uh, always interesting, Andy. And so we try to give you guys the best content we possibly can. Get it up bright and early, late into the evening. It really goes up. We try to get it up midnight on uh, on the West Coast. Uh, so no matter where you are, when you need to get the podcast, it's there for you. I want to let you know, too, that this episode of Locked on Lakers is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. Big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Um, we are definitely going to get to, uh, before the end of the show, uh, some some off the court news with the Lakers, Andy. They have now thrown their hat into the well, ring to have the dumbest stadium name. It's uh, not really name off of the anyone. court news, Brian. It is the court. It is the court. That's true. It's off the court news. <laughs> it's nothing that off the, the court. Name of the court. Yeah. Right. There's nothing off the court about Staples Center, um, where the Lakers have played for the last twenty twenty two years, something. I believe, give or take. Uh, ever since the ninety nine two thousand season. Uh, they are about to become, starting on Christmas, uh, I guess if you're really into the crypto scene, this is quite a gift to you. They're going to be the Crypto.com Arena. Crypto.com Arena, yeah. Crypto.com Arena. Yeah, I, uh, something, yeah and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, so we'll talk about that. People are not happy. No. Um, and, I, and I think they need to get over it, and I'll explain why later. Um, so this... 109-102 wasn't quite the marquee matchup everybody wanted. LeBron wasn't on the floor. Lakers versus Bucks. Last two champions. Both teams uh, either barely at or actually, in the case of Milwaukee, under 500. So not as shiny a game on Wednesday as I think uh, the NBA would have hoped as the nationally broadcast game on ESPN. If the Lakers have not lost eight times. If they lost every time like they lost on Wednesday, I would be so much more comfortable with where they are as a team and in their season than I actually am because this one was fine. I had it was it was a good game against a team that had its players back and played well and has Giannis Antetokounmpo and I didn't have a problem with what happened on Wednesday. No, actually, I mean it, it, this is a big ask, like the idea of re remove what Giannis did because what he did was destroy the Lakers. <laughs> he had, what he did was score. He scored 47 right. points. That's a he had, big removal. Right. He had 47 points, 18 to 23 from the field, three of four from behind the arc, got the, the line 11 times, made eight of those free throws, nine rebounds, three assists, a block and a steal. He, he was quite literally unstoppable from everywhere on the court. And also I looked it up. Because um, I know it seems like Giannis only makes threes against the Lakers. That's actually more accurate than people think. It's uh, true. Just doing a yes. quick perusal of his career splits. Um, among his highest percentages heading into this game, I believe he was 
career 35.5 uh, from behind the arc against the Lakers. He's like, he's like the Greek Ricky Rubio, mm-hmm. like who, who really JJ does. only hits threes against the Lakers. Yep. J.J. Barea, who's a role player against everyone, and Giannis Antetokounmpo against the Lakers. Sometimes one-man wrecking crews happen. It just it happens. Does. And I I think the the for me the larger stuff is like you say they they did a lot of respectable things throughout the game, but more importantly, they gave up sixty four points in the first half. They gave up forty five in the second. And you know this to me, the Lakers had moments in this game on Wednesday where they fall behind by twelve, fall behind. You know then where you think this thing is going to tip one way. Or the other, like, gosh, this could this could get away from them pretty quickly. And each time they came back, they got it to within seven. I think they got it to within four, um, you know, yeah. in the second half. Um, and they they did not fold up the tent on this game. Maybe it's because it's the Bucks, it's a national TV game, there's a little more pride. They it certainly wasn't the third quarter against Minnesota. No, um, this was and, the best third quarter they've played this season. They were right. terrific in the third quarter. I just I I thought the way that the Lakers came out in the third quarter, they changed their coverage. As part of the reason Giannis got off so much in the first in the first half was because the Lakers were just getting destroyed in their pick and roll coverages. And Anthony Davis, so this is a buy. I, I love when they go small. I you know, but it does leave them vulnerable to certain things. And if you're getting beat on the point of attack, Anthony Davis is scrambling all over the damn place. You know, and and so you know they had a couple plays where they turned the ball over and let Giannis get out in transition. They made his life easier than it needed to be with either bad defense or uh, miscues on the offensive side. They cleaned all of that up in the second half. They zoned up Milwaukee to to get him out of that rhythm. Um, they they played. You know, they they switched more. They just did all kinds of stuff to 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 tighten up the defense and give themselves an opportunity that I thought was really encouraging and that they lost this game doesn't bother me because if they played this well all the time, they wouldn't be eight and eight. Yeah. They had only 13, excuse me, only 13 turnovers in the game, which by their standards is the equivalent of not turning the ball over at all. It's a clean Uh, sheet as they would say in soccer. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, who we'll, we'll get into Russ later. Russ had maybe his best game as a Laker Mm-hmm. had 15 assists against three turnovers. All three of his turnovers came in the first half, and, and it felt like he got basically all of his bad passes and bad decisions uh, out of his system early on. Um, you know, I thought that they, play, they paid much better attention to just the details, just broadly, specifically, however you want to define it. They felt as connected or even more connected as a team on the court as certainly we've seen in a while, if not this entire season. Like, and I think you were talking before about it being a national TV game against you know the defending champions. Like the 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 setup of this game and the disadvantages that they have heading into it, in some ways I think helps them in the sense just that it reinforces that their margin for error really is that small, mm-hmm. and that they really have to stay on their proverbial shit for 48 minutes. And there, there is something that comes from, you know, in, in not just in sports, but just most in most scenarios, like the idea of recognizing an obstacle in front of you and realizing just how much focus it requires in order to get through it. 
I'm not saying I always want to see the Lakers uh, as that type of underdog, but I think when you consider no, because it where implies that the team isn't good enough to to be an overdog, right? But when you consider where they've been at lately, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, one of the reasons I think they 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 looked more together, they looked more connected. They certainly had moments where they they had better flow offensively. The play of Russell Westbrook, which we talked about, and we, we can get into uh, more, and also a third straight. Very productive offensive game from Taylor Horton Tucker, who, uh, if you believe Frank Vogel, may have played himself into the starting lineup even after LeBron James returns. We'll talk about that next. <laughs> Just to clarify, not in place of LeBron. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Back better than ever, a new open web- competition, Andy. <laughs> that is true. A uh, new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More nothing is given and lines than ever before. All Bet is on- earned. <laughs> Bet Online <laughs> streetlights, not spotlights. That's Bet right. Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to put the your new- hard hat on, LeBron. <laughs> updated <laughs> desktop or mobile device. Sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive said bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the, all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the games start. So we're not even taking Avery Bradley out of the starting lineup, LeBron. We like what we have. You can work your way back into it if you practice hard enough. Uh, by the way, uh, if Bet Online has uh, the prop bet, will LeBron start again? Bet yes. Yes, yes, he will. Uh, any, any, anything you put on, no. I don't care what they. It's a sucker bet. <laughs> don't <laughs> yes. do it. Yes. Um, so. I, I, you know, let's, let's start with Russ and we'll, we'll do THD after that because it's, it's funny, like they haven't accomplished a lot as Westbrook has started to look objectively more comfortable, um, and, you know, play with a little more control, play a little bit more within himself, not forcing the ball. There's still gonna be a lot of, there are always going to be a lot of turnovers with Westbrook. The, the, the key is going to come. What does it look What does Russ look like when? LeBron is back and that group and the, the the big three plays together for 10 or 15 games in a row. And does Westbrook elevate that pairing, the LeBron AD pairing, or does he hinder it? And I nobody knows the answer to that yet. That's what I'm waiting to see. Yeah. You know, I, it's an interesting way of putting it, Brian, because what do you think matters more? How much he elevates it or how much he hinders it? Well, I mean, if they want to win a title, I, I I guess Russ as a neutral is the baseline there because LeBron and AD have won a title together. That's why the difference I'm is, but the difference is, I think they had a better and more coherent supporting cast around them two years ago than I think they have now. Um, Possibly, I mean, we keep reminding I, I, you every I'm show. Guessing, right? But yeah, we still you know, don't know. I, I, I'm guessing, and you know, because like. It's we've forgotten like Austin Reeves, who was a significant and important player, is still out for another week. Is like it's it's not just Kendrick Nunn; it's now Reeves is somebody you have to put there. Dudes in and out of the lineup. LeBron has missed now ten of I think sixteen games. If if I will put it this way: if Westbrook can elevate that pairing, he doesn't need to be as good as those two. I would nobody would expect him to be, but like if he can find ways to make that group that pairing more dangerous. 
then um, then the Lakers, I think, have, have an excellent chance to win a title. But you understand the why I'm asking. But he, right? I do. But I mean, neutral is neutral. But I, I think there's a concern that he will. My concern is that he will drag it down. That's, that he will that's, make that pairing less effective in 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 when it's all said and done than make them better. Neutral is probably fine. Improving them somehow or making them more dangerous is ideal. But the real threat is making that pairing less. And that's exactly that's what I'm, I'm worried about. That's exactly why I'm asking because not only are you concerned about that, I've gotten a very strong sense that Lakers Twitter, certainly our you know, listenership here, uh, media, all sorts of people. I think there is far more concern and I'd even say anticipation that Westbrook is actually going to be more of an anchor than an elevator. You know, like well, that, the was idea- the, that was certainly the concern that when, when they made the trade. Right. But, and and I, I will say, like, part of what I think is good about the work that Vogel has done this year, and he talked about it after Wednesday's game, and the offense is not creative, and they're, you know, smarter people than me who break this stuff down. You know, Tim at, at, at uh, you know, the Lakers Exceptionalism pod and, and all this, you know, Mo DeKeel and all these guys who, who break down the film and all that are much better at it than we are. Point out places where the Lakers just aren't that creative an offensive team. Um, but like certain things like, you know, he, he is definitely leaning at this point, I think all the way into, we got to play small in part because it opens up the floor for AD, gets him closer to the basket. We've all seen the numbers about where he shoots when, when they're playing with the center, but also because of the impact it has on Westbrook. Like if you're going to have Russell Westbrook on your team, you need to have an open floor. And so they're they're starting, I think, to become more comfortable with those kinds of adjustments and the things that you have to do to to maximize the opportunities for Westbrook to elevate. Um, so that part of it's encouraging. Um, I also wonder just how much Vogel is starting to come to grips with the reality that big men on this team, not named Anthony or Davis, uh, less, maybe more, and sometimes less is defined as don't play them. Well, De- DeAndre is not terribly effective. Right. Um, and and but, Dwight isn't Dwight of two years ago right, right now. I mean, the, the two of them played 13 combined minutes against the Bucs. And, and I recognize the Bucs didn't have Brooke Lopez. And if he was available, maybe some of that changes. But I don't know necessarily how much, especially again, when you know the two of them have both had moments during the season, but neither Hmm. one of them has really made, I think, that big of an impact, even when you go against the baseline of expectations. Yeah, I would would agree. And so, um, you know, it's... The the other part of this is um, is THT, because, you know, the Westbrook playing under control, not turning the ball over, piling up 15 assists against three turnovers makes it's going to make the offense look better. Like it, you're going to like, they, they missed a bunch of shots, like the supporting cast. Again, they needed something from Ellington. They needed something from Monk. The two of those guys were two of 14 combined from three point range. Carmelo Anthony was two of eight from three point range. The Lakers missed, I believe their last 16 three pointers uh, in this game. They had, you know, the, the offensive production in the end wasn't very good. They only scored 19 points in the fourth quarter, 
but they had looks. Like mean, this was not a game where they just couldn't engineer a clean look. What they needed was somebody who wasn't Davis or you know, you know, THT or someone to hit an outside shot. Um, you know, THT and Westbrook lived at the rim. Uh, they did a great job there. They needed some production from the outside. They didn't get it. Uh, but THT, Vogel said after the game, has essentially kind of played himself back into the starting lineup. Um, three straight games, highly productive offensively. It's hard to argue, at least for me, that he belongs on the bench at this point. I, I just, I think you got to put your best players on the floor, and he's one of their best players. Yeah, the, I'm talking the, about Friday, presumably when LeBron comes back. Yeah, I mean the the argument that could be made, and I want I want to preface this by saying this is not my argument. I'm just mm-hmm. saying this is the devil's advocate, not totally ridiculous argument that you would make for playing THT off the bench would be that once LeBron is back, combined with what's already there with Westbrook and how much of the offense is going to run through Anthony Davis anyway, that THT won't have the same opportunities to have the impact that we've seen mm-hmm. over the last three games. And that if you found ways to play the majority of his minutes with the second unit, even if he ended up closing, like similar to the way Lamar Odom did during the back-to-back titles uh, in the Kobe Powell era. Where right. He still plays, th- you're talking about still a 30-minute-a-night yes. role for THT, but staggered yeah. more toward the seconds than yes. the first. That, that he could actually have more of an impact and more of, an, uh, of a true opportunity to do the things that, that he's shown so far over these three games, you know, the ability put the ball on the floor, get to the basket, play make. You know, the, the concern I guess you would have with THT playing with the starting unit, starting unit is that he could end up kind of being reduced to a spot-up shooter at times, you know, where, where he really, with the ball in LeBron's hands so much, Russ's hands so much, AD's hands so much, he ends up kind of floating around. And even though he's shooting reasonably well from three so far, that's not what you want. That's not what you want him to do. Right. So that, again, that would be the argument. I'm not saying it's the argument that should be made. I'm just saying I don't think it's a ridiculous argument. No, and I and I think ultimately you solve that problem just by how you end up staggering the minutes. And I, I just, it's one of these things too. It's where you you accomplish two things. Like, you know, LeBron comes back. I assume at that point, like you want to put Carmelo Anthony back on the bench. Yes. You know, he played 32 minutes on Wednesday. That is too many minutes for Carmelo. Um, not like too many minutes diminishing return. Like you're not, it's too many. He's too old for that. Yes. Like he's too old to be playing the kind of minutes of the Lakers because the Lakers are going to need him to be good all season long. He is playing way too many minutes. 32 on Wednesday, 27 against Chicago, 30 against San Antonio on, on Saturday. Like, um, like that's just too many. So you know, LeBron comes back. He 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 moves to the bench. You know, they still have a, a weak spot in in Avery Bradley. And you know, I just <laughs> Malik Monk is all over the damn place. Wayne Ellington is has not been consistent. I think certainly in his minutes in terms of of nailing that outside shot again, one of seven on Wednesday. And that's really the only thing he's out there to do. Um, it's it just it it is I, I I think you're being just sort of too clever to to decide. I don't mean you personally. I just mean Frank would would be being too clever. Uh, but th- there are a couple other things that that come with this, um, as well as things that come with the Lakers renaming or I guess the owners of AG renaming Staples Center Crypto.com. Uh, 
Crypto.com arena. Arena. All it's no longer which, a center, Brian. It's an arena. <laughs> it's an arena. Very different experience. We'll talk about all of that next. And we're back. <laughs> so a little more on THT. The other thing that I think, you know, to, to your concern about you turn him into a spot-up shooter, it's just another reason to continue to run with AD at the five because it, it now you have lanes open for LeBron to drive. You have lanes open for THT to drive. You have lanes open for Russ to drive. And by the way, for AD to put the ball on the floor. It's really the only way for that offense to operate because THT, you mentioned Lamar Odom earlier. THT reminds me a little bit of Lamar in the sense of like at his best, everyone knew exactly what Lamar was going to do with the ball. And it was put it none in his of it left hand. In, right. He was going to put it in his <laughs> left hand, put it on the floor and go to the basket. For a left-handed basket. Every, right. Every time. And THT is a little bit of that. He's a little more of a willing jump shooter. So, you know, I have a, the, the, my favorite shot that he took today, uh, uh, Wednesday night, was the um, the little step back three in the first quarter where, you know, I think it was Middleton backed off him and like gave him that three pointer. He was like, all right, fine. Put the ball on the floor, a little step back, something he's obviously worked on in terms of how to set up the shot that he's got. Rhythm nailed the three. Um, and I thought that was great. But mostly what he does is he puts the ball on the floor and he gets to the basket. And he's remarkably difficult to stop when he does it. He gets into the paint whenever the hell he wants. And so spread the floor out, let him do it, and let him play, especially since he's kind of looking like the two-way guy the Lakers hoped he would be. Yeah, it's really interesting. This game, I thought, was a, a great showcase for everything that you would be excited about with THT. And like the potential that they saw in him and, and the bet that they made on him. They, you know, they made an investment on THT that he would both be ready to contribute right now because this is a win now team, but also by the end of that three years, 10 mil a year for him is going to feel criminally underpaid. And we've talked about the stuff that you saw from him the night where either as a playmaker, as a scorer, as a guy that as a rebounder? Is, as a rebounder, well, rebounds? As, a guy, as a guy that's getting better at using his length, like, you know, starting to leverage that defensively, like, and he is, I believe, 21 now. I mean, like, there is so much nope. to, nope, he's only 20? Still only 20. Wow. Okay. I thought, not, I thought he, he had reached. Not until next week. He's the, okay. He turns 21 on the 25th. Okay. My, I stand corrected. He is still just a 20-year-old. But at the same time, you know, you see the things in THT when he starts getting more run and more responsibility that he still needs to work on. Like he still will have some drives to the basket where there's that fine line between aggressive and wild as F and he is tipping on the line of wild as F. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are still times where defensively he will, especially when he's guarding, Giannis is not a great example because Giannis can kill anybody, but when you're guarding a really good scorer, like somebody that knows every single trick, THT is one of those guys that's going to be had. And, and these are things, by the way, that just come with experience. From being he, 20, right. Well, I mean, I, but, he, I will say, like, there were moments he got, you know, matched up against Giannis and, like... The idea, I mean, THC is a, a stout dude and and very strong. And it's one of the reasons the Lakers liked him, even when he was kind of chubby. Um, he he is not strong enough or long enough, even with those go-go gadget arms, to guard Giannis. Like that's not a thing. 
but yeah, I mean, the, there was the moment he got, uh, I, you know, I Lakers broadcast didn't like it. Lakers Twitter certainly didn't like it. I actually thought it was a foul when he got up under Middleton uh, on a three pointer, like little stuff like that. But you know, he's he match up against Giannis guarding Chris Middleton, like he's being no, given no. difficult assignments. Exactly. No, and it's and it's great that he's getting this experience. It's great that Frank Vogel is. Whether because he's increasingly trusting THG or recognizing he has no shit, other I ain't got anybody choice. else to do it. It's exact that it's more the latter than the former. But he's you know, he's through. But it's more the latter than the former. He said something really interesting after the game um, in talking about just sort of his progress and where he's at. He said that he still hasn't played 82 games as a pro. And I looked that up, and he has played, counting tonight's game, 74 regular season games. If you count his postseason. He has still not played the equivalent of an 82 game That's regular remarkable. season. Yeah. He's been in the league. This is now his third season, but you know, that first year he barely played. And then last year he was mostly in the rotation, but still not getting these type of regular minutes that we've seen so far since he's returned and this type of responsibility. There's a lot to love with him, but it's there's going oh, it's, to be it's time. overwhelming stuff. Like oh, I mean, just these first three games. Oh, yeah. There's I a, mean, there, there's a lot to love with what hey, nobody's saying. perfect, man. We just talked about you know how Anthony Davis, who's an you know borderline MVP candidate so far this year, um, you know was the third best player on his own team. This you know and and at times certainly outplayed in the you know player star versus star matchup by Giannis. Uh, you know to 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 finish this up before we get to the crypto.com thing, um, you mentioned that the idea is that that THT would be considered very much underpaid by the end of this contract. If he keeps playing like this, he's going to be considered very much underpaid by the end of the month. I mean, yeah. like the idea that, you know, he's averaging 22 and a half, five and, and a, an assistant half with a PER. I know it's not the best metric anymore. Over 20. That's worth more than 9 million in this, in, in the, in the current NBA. So uh, kudos to THT for that. We'll see what happens on Friday, presumably when LeBron returns to the lineup, but the expectation would be that THT would be in there. Um, I want to save tomorrow a little bit of time to talk about why I think it was so important the Lakers came back uh, in this game and didn't fold up the tent and you know play a terrible third quarter and all that kind of stuff because I think the fallout could have been profound. But Andy, before we do that, people are freaking the bleep out over this whole Crypto.com thing. Staples Center is no longer a Staples Center. It's going to be Crypto.com Arena. Um, your thoughts, Andy, on Crypto.com Definitely not a great name for a, for an arena. It doesn't roll off the tongue. No, it's not something I plan on using in my common uh, discussions about the place. Um, but I have my thoughts. But you go first. <laughs> I mean, it's so awkward. It's so incredibly awkward. I mean, just dot com in your building. Yes, name that's the start of it. That should the never part. happen. Yes, <laughs> like it really should just be crypto arena. Crypto arena. But and then uh, you could call it the crypt, and it would actually not be so bad unless they're terrible, in which case you call it the crypt and it's an insult. The the biggest things that jumped out at me with with this, because I mean, honestly, you can call the thing whatever the hell you want. I mean, I I don't know if anybody knows what the Coliseum is officially called because everybody just calls it the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Nobody it, it now has naming rights. Nobody's gonna call it that. But the arena is now named after 
an entire future monetary system that not only do I not understand, Brian, <laughs> I fear I will never understand <laughs> what the what the F cryptocurrency even is. Um, so that makes me feel old. Then somebody, uh, I saw like a bunch of people on Twitter reacting to this and they're like, well, I mean, it's inevitable, man. Like when's the last time you were in a Staples, like the, the store? And I'm thinking last week. (laughs) (laughs) Why? That's where I get all my pencils. (laughs) Sir. And reams of paper that apparently I'm the only person that still uses. Where else is a man supposed to get his highlighters? (laughs) (laughs) And like, um, I, I saw a statement that was put out there by, crypto.com about what uh is some of the features for the new arena and it was described as model by the way staples yeah well no well, the crypto.com right which arena. actually it could use i mean Sta- oh, yeah. staples center could really use a facelift but they they were describing features including like some type of activation zone outside where there would be like music and sports crypto experiences i'm like I have no idea what you're talking about. That makes no sense to me. What's like, I, I, this isn't even like you resent this mostly because you become the old man yells at clouds. Me. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. And I'm not ready to is. be that guy. No, I, I will say this. Like there is a lot to be said for the idea that like, what are we, people need to calm down. Like, what are we clinging to here? Like staples, I, I staples is such a vanilla nondescript, company now that has zero bearing on anything anybody does over the course of their of their daily life except you apparently <laughs> where you go get your office supplies still yes. and do your back to school shopping I, mm-hmm. I suppose like the word has no meaning like I think a lot of people forget that when you call it the Staples Center you're actually you are referencing the company like I think it's it's just it's been around so long and Staples is so irrelevant now as a brand that it's just lost all meaning. It's just the name of the arena. It's not an actual store or an actual place you can visit. Um, and so I think that it, it, it's like an old shoe at this point. And that's what has, has got people all freaked out about it. And that and crypto.com is just so weird. And you can't go from something that is more like anachronistic and out of date to something that makes no sense to people than that. Like this is the, this is as far on the spectrum as you can get. And it's got people, and it's a terrible name. It's a terrible, crypto.com arena is a terrible name. You say that it's not a big deal, Brian, but wait until all those Lakers statues get replaced with NFTs out front. Do you know what that is, Andy? What? An NFT? Yeah. Non-fungible token. What does that mean? It's like pictures. <laughs> it's art. It's a it's it's the opposite of a fungible token. It's a non-fungible token. So what does that mean? It's non-fungible. So what does that mean? Well, it's built on blockchain and stuff like it's a basically a What digital, does that mean? What? Blockchain? Blo- yeah. I mean, I blockchain <laughs> is a series of of ways that you sort of verify transactions online and all that. It's like super I mean, I, I can't like build it. It's like a bunch of chains that are made out of blocks. (laughs) (laughs) 
get some uh, some some more news about LeBron James potentially coming back on Friday, what the rest of the road trip might look like. Uh, and then next week, Andy, it's Thanksgiving. Maybe there'll be, be some things that Lakers fans can be thankful for uh, as we head into the weekend. So we'll talk about all of that on uh, Friday's show. And thank everybody for making us your first listen of every day. Find another Locked On show on the network, maybe Locked On Bets, Locked on, go listen to lock on Celtics because they got a big game on Friday against the those those green jerks. Um, so listen to those guys and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Locked on Lakers. See everybody on Friday.